Please be advised, all music tracks used in this production are sole property of Kelson Communications and are original compositions. Thank you. To everyone tuning in, welcome. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast, the program that promotes, celebrates, uplifts, and highlights the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of society every day. This is a special African American History Month edition. Today, I have with me a very distinguished guest, uh, Dr. Veronica Hardy. She's a licensed clinical social worker, writer, and full professor at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. She earned her PhD from Regent University School of Psychology and Counseling, and she is a graduate of the MSW program at Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Her 2019 publication, A Letter to My Sisters, Reflecting on God's Promises, discusses challenges experienced by women across the lifespan, and we'll be discussing that in a little bit more detail. Uh, She's also been recognized for her civic engagement by several organizations with awards, including the United Way of Robinson County Volunteer of the Year Award for Distinguished Service, Leadership, and Support to Robeson County, and the Community Recognition and Appreciation Award. Dr. Hardy was also a featured guest in our 2020 COVID-19 special series, and we're so delighted and thrilled to welcome her back. Welcome back, Dr. Hardy, and thank you for joining us again. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes, yes, absolutely. So this being African American History Month, there's a lot of you know recognition and celebration, and African Americans in this country have a long history of overcoming challenges and obstacles. And one of the things that, you know, I wanted you to kind of highlight is the role that uh, we know that the church in the African-American community has played in helping African-Americans not only survive challenging times, but to become active and get into involved in uh, standing up and protesting for rights. And so the church, even though it's been a safe haven, it's also been in many instances in communities, a place where a lot of uh, activism actually sprung from. Uh, so, and also what I wanted you to touch on is the fact that in today's uh, social work and counseling and therapy circles, the concept of recognizing a person's spirituality has now become accepted as part of the overall uh, biopsychosocial um, that most therapists and social workers and counselors use. So it's kind of like a two-part question. I'll talk a little bit about the history of the African-American church in our community as it relates to uh, activism and standing up for one's rights, getting involved in voting, and how in, in today's counseling and therapy circles, spirituality is now accepted as part of how you assess a uh, person's uh, coping skills, coping abilities, and resiliency factors. Yes, like you mentioned, the church, it's like the uh, epicenter, spiritual and activism epicenter for the African-American community, both currently and historically. It it has been a place for people to organize, for them to process their thoughts, to put plans into place of next steps of whatever it is they want to confront specifically. But also the church has been a support system, a spiritual and emotional support system, where you have a group of people who have very similar ways of thinking in regards to life, navigating life, how to confront issues in life, and to having that that support system 
available to talk to and process and help you navigate the world is definitely a strength and a benefit of the church and what it has provided to the African-American community. Yes. And that makes it an important component to focus on during social work and counseling. Like you mentioned, we have an assessment tool in our professions that's called the biopsychosocial spiritual cultural assessment, which means whoever is sitting in front of us, we want to gain information about that person in all those areas of their lives. And generally, spirituality is one of those areas we want to gain information about. But oftentimes, there are many social workers or counselors who may not know how to use that information in providing services to the individual. Yes, yes. So a recommendation that I I tend to give is once you collect that information, work to understand what is that person's definition? What is their meaning of what spirituality is? Because it can differ for all of us. And spirituality generally focuses on where a person may find their meaning or purpose in life, whether it's in a what's often referred to as a higher being or if it's in something that that person creates, which can be a, a source of activism or volunteering or contributing to the, the lives of others. But as professionals, we need to understand what spirituality means for that individual, and then also understanding how does that spirituality support that person in both interpreting and navigating their own lives. Yes, yes. So those are just some thoughts, basically, as far as the church and the African-American community and the role of spirituality in social work and counseling practice. Yeah, very good points. Thank you for bringing those out. Now, you you have... uh couple of publications and i'd like you to kind of um discuss those uh first i'd like you to talk a little bit about your 2019 publication which i mentioned in the introduction a letter to my sisters reflecting on god's promises and which discusses challenges experienced by women across the lifespan what was the motivating factor behind you writing that piece how do you use it as a tool in your practice and has it gained a lot of publicity and other circles of counseling and therapy? Certainly. I'll I'll start by saying one of the first teaching positions, part-time teaching positions I had was at Colorado Christian University in a mental health counseling program. And I taught courses ranging from practice to cultural competency. And we had to integrate that spiritual component into our courses. So I would often turn to the Bible and look at the experiences and the stories as possible clients and then present that to the class. For example, how would you diagnose this presenting issue or what is the presenting problem? So in writing a letter to my sisters, I wanted to use a similar lens, but to come from a story or experience in the Old Testament with a young lady who was who was raped, which is again, a form of sexual assault that still happens today. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to use it as a catalyst to process different experiences that women have, but to look at it through the lens of the Bible when it comes to how do we process this? How do we maintain our identities 
when situations such as this happen to us? How can the spiritual resource such as the Bible or whatever the faith-based book is that someone may read, how can that be used as a method of coping the scriptures, the verses, and basically for people to realize that your identity is not lost because of the situation that has happened to you and that experience does not define who you are. So for people to, to remain in contact with, with their identity and being able to process their experiences through a spiritual lens. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, very good. Great points that you brought up. Now, with your um, your other publication, and I don't want to I don't want to mess up the title. It's becoming mm-hmm. untangled. So, tell us a little bit about that because I know that's garnering a lot of traction and steam on the uh, circuit, especially around the uh, uh, internet and social media. Yes, I have a book, and thank you for bringing it up. Called Becoming Untangled, and the subtitle is Eight Simple Strategies for Cleaning Up Your Life mind and habits. And in writing that book, I thought there are so many issues that we are tangled up in. In other words, weights that we carry or that are keeping us bound. And when I was reflecting over my own life, I was paying attention to how certain things were keeping me bound to the point where it looked like a groundhog day. I was reliving (laughs) reliving certain aspects in my life over and over again And that wasn't going to change until I broke free from it. And in order to break free, you have to realize that that it's there first. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this book was written with with that idea in mind that we have to start with our minds. We have to clean up our minds, realize what's there, realize what no longer serves us, the patterns, the habits, the behaviors that are keeping us stuck, and what steps it may take to move forward. And again, I pull principles from the Bible that are very relevant for today about our thoughts and behaviors and how we can apply them in current day. Mm-hmm. Now, um, with these um, these issues and obstacles that people become tangled up in, so what's the first step for them to start untangling? Ooh, so there are eight chapters in the book, and I mm-hmm. refer to each chapter as a strategy that mm. consists of several principles. Okay. So the titles of the chapter, for example, chapter one is come out of hiding. Mm. And with come out of hiding, it means what is keeping you in the background? What makes you cover yourself? The things that you don't want to reveal where you feel like you're, you're living your life or certain parts of your life in a sense of secrecy. And if you were to reveal that, not necessarily to the world or on social media, but to someone who is safe or through prayer, would that be releasing and freeing for you? Or even allowing it to be revealed to yourself, because sometimes there are things sitting within ourselves that we push back so deep that we don't even look at it anymore. Mm -hmm. We can barely see it, but although we push it back, it's still there and has an effect on us. So will we let that issue, that thing be lifted and come out of hiding, come come and be present with us so we can confront it? And then I'll just say a strategy number two, chapter two is called um, build your exit strategy. Mm. What am I going to do to start moving forward and moving away from this? What Mm. are some steps that I can take to do that? 
So, and then finally, the last chapter, chapter eight, is called Enter Your New Season. Mm. After I've, I've taken all those previous steps, I've come out of hiding, I've built my exit strategy, I've, I've grown in my faith, etc. Now I can enter a new season, whether that season is full of peace or freedom or new opportunities, new ways of being. It looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's the hopeful end goal. Okay. And with those eight steps that are prescribed in the book, have you found any that would seem to serve people more effectively than other steps? Or does it is it does it vary from person to person? I wanna say it varies from person to person, but at the same time the first two just from my observations, are the most challenging to get to Mm -hmm. because many of us are not at a place to even acknowledge certain things in our lives that either feel like secrets or feel like they have kept us in, in hiding. So even getting through that first strategy or that first chapter that's what may be the most challenging. Mm. And then the chapter two of, well, what steps am I actually going to engage in? Not just making the steps or writing them down, but actually doing the steps. Mm -hmm. And the doing is a challenge for many people. But I feel once someone starts jumping over those hurdles, they can gain strength. But there's a a section in there, a chapter in there called Get get Ready to Push. Mm. And that means... There are going to be toxins in your life. There are going to be influences, distractions, doubts that come along. When you, when you hit your stride, things are going to come along to try to block you and slow you down. And you have to be prepared to push past those pain points. Don't let them stop you. You already know they're going to come. So what is the plan you're going to have when they, they do come? So like we were saying, it can vary for everybody. But there are those types of struggle points that can be consistent for all of us. I have the book Becoming Untangled, and the release date is March 1st. So right now we are in my book launch countdown celebration. So I look forward to that release date of March 1st, and it will be released on Amazon. But again, people can visit my website drveronicahardy.com and click on the Becoming Untangled tab for more information or to even place their order. And, and, you know, some of what you described brings to mind to me, you know, the whole concept of one of the things that we all work with in social work called working with a client from the strengths perspective. Can you make any connections or correlations between that uh, approach or that modality and some of the steps and and some of the uh, suggestions in the uh, untangling book? Yes. And I'm glad you brought up about the strengths perspective Um, because we may notice oftentimes there is a deficit perspective focusing on well, this person has this diagnosis or you have to overcome this first before you move forward versus focusing on the strengths. You already have this source of power that exists within you. So let's nurture it and build it up so you can move forward. So what I did throughout each chapter, I, I want people to identify what their strengths are. I want them to feel empowered to identify what the next step is that they can take. And if you were to intentionally put your strengths into action every day, possibly 
in a new way, what would it look like? How would that feel? So part of the book tries to guide people to focus on their strengths and actually use them. The word intentionally is used throughout the book. You have to set that aim, set your focus on, direct your mind to doing this, being intentional. And that takes time because I say it's like exercising your mind to think differently and to do differently. But as you do that consistently, you're building up those mental muscles. So eventually it will become your normal and your habit. So that strength perspective definitely ties into the Becoming Untangled um, strategies noted throughout the chapters. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good to make that connection. Now, there's something really new and, and I, I think kind of cool that's buzzing on social media. And that's um, as we get ready to kind of you know uh, bring this to a close. Tell our listeners about uh, this new concept uh, that I believe you uh developed, created, or conceived of, and that's the Social Work Lounge. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Because I I was fascinated when I found out about it. Absolutely. The Social Work Lounge (laughs) is a group that I developed on Facebook. And just the name, to me, when when it came to me, I thought it's a place for social workers to be. And when I think of lounge, I think hangout. I think relax, yes. share thought, but also to be able to mentor and speak into each other's lives. Mm. So a lounge is also a nurturing place too. Mm-hmm. And what prompted that is I've seen other social work groups on Facebook, but because I previously served on a licensure board and because I'm in an educator role and seek to nurture social workers, there were not so ethical practices, Um, for example, excessively speaking about clients or things to that extent, which I did confront and people would take their posts down. And so that was concerning. And oftentimes there are groups where it is just new graduates of social workers. There are no seasoned social workers in the groups, which means there's no mentorship Mm. or leadership to that extent in the group. So I saw a lot of absences in certain social work groups on Facebook, and I wanted to be able to fill some of those gaps. So in the social work lounge, we have people from volunteering and still taking their classes to people who may be retired, to people who are veterans, to people who are professors. So there's such a diversity of social workers in the group where that mentorship and exchange can happen and people can really nurture each other. And I also wanted our younger social workers, those who may be newer to the field, to see the diversity of the social work profession, that we are not limited to certain types of practice, but something I often post in the site is that social workers are everywhere. You name it. We are entrepreneurs. We are in politics. We are overseas. You name it. And there's so much that you can do. And oftentimes some of our newer students, newer graduates are not aware of the diversity. But when they're able to see what, what some of the seasoned social workers have done, it opens their world up to so much more. So I often encourage people to invite others to the social work lounge. Come out and hang with us, learn more, because there's so much that we do. And I also have speaking events within the lounge. Um, 
from people, executive directors of licensure boards, um, those who serve for our National Association of Social Workers, um, practice professionals, say medical social workers. Again, so people can learn about the diversity of social work and to have their questions answered. So I've been enjoying facilitating this group. I'm always looking for new ideas of what to include in there to just promote engagement, exchange, and to enhance our knowledge as social workers. And what kind of a forum is it? Is it a Facebook Live forum or is it just a a chat? So two things, you know, what kind of uh, a forum is it? And, you know, I know we know its platform is Facebook, but is it Facebook Live? That's one question. And another question is, Mm -hmm. please tell listeners, especially social workers and those who are who gravitate towards a social work profession, how they can uh, find it and, and, and tap in and, and, and visit the lounge. Great. It's a Facebook group. So what I do is I make several posts throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And then as far as sessions where we can listen to speakers and interact, I do that through Zoom. So I basically create an event, post it in the Facebook group, provide mm. the Zoom link, and that's the space where we can all come together. Um, and how can people connect or become involved? Yes. I encourage people, whether they type in my name, search for me, or type in the Social Work Lounge mm-hmm. Facebook group, hopefully it will come up. I'm not sure if there's if there are many others, but on this page, you'll see cream-colored sofas with gold letters that say the Social Work Lounge. Mm-hmm. Or people can visit my website drveronicahardy.com because I have a tab about the lounge there as well that will help them gain access. Ooh, okay. All right. And, uh, uh, and and you said you, you've had some, some guest speakers. Uh, who, who are some of the speakers that uh, have graced the, uh, the lounge so far? Yes, we have had Elizabeth Pope, who is, current the, who is currently the executive director for our North Carolina Social Work Certification and Licensure Board. Mm-hmm. And she basically responded to frequently asked questions that many people who are pursuing licensure have about the licensing process. I have upcoming during um, our National Social Work Month uh, Dr. Summer Woodside, she is a MSW program director at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke, and she's also a school social worker or has been involved in that part of the profession. Mm-hmm. So she really wants to speak about her macro level role when it comes to school social work. So those have been a, a couple of the speakers that have been a part of the group. And I'm excited to be able to to bring in more. Great, great, great. That's so so wonderful um, that you're providing that service. Uh, and I think it's really, really um, important to, you know, have a place where social workers can network, especially uh, our young up-and-coming social workers, um, social workers that are in school and training, and so new social workers in the field. I, I've always thought it was very important to, to be able to connect between seasoned veteran social workers and up-and-coming um, social workers that are just graduating or, or, or still um, in school so that they can see. And, and as you said, you know, you know, social workers, we're everywhere and we can pretty much do anything. Any role that needs to be played uh, with a social work degree, you can certainly uh, play that role and play it at a, at a very effective level. So um, I'm glad that, 
see that you have that. Um, and we encourage everybody that's listening to please make sure you go out and check out the social work lounge and just the way that you described it. As soon as you describe the, you know, the, the you know, the color of the sofa, you know, immediately popped the mind. So it, it's very graphically uh, enticing. So when people see it, they're certainly going to be encouraged to, to delve more into it and just to see what it's all about. So uh, with that said, um, Dr. Hardy, we're going to, uh, bring this to a close. And so it's African-American History Month. And I want you to leave our listeners with something that they can carry with them, not only this month in celebration of African-American History Month, but uh, throughout the year um, and, and it's something that they can remember. Yes. I want to say a, a friend said to me recently that I couldn't light my own candle. And they were saying that in reference to my my grandparents, my parents, who lit the candle before me, mm. and then they lit that candle that was me, mm. that people before me had to light that candle in my life. And now it's my responsibility to carry that forward and to light the candles for the next mm-hmm. generations, whoever that may be. So I just want people to take that with them to remember, you didn't light your candle by yourself. There mm-hmm. was someone before you who was putting work in probably before they even knew your name or that you were going to be born, (laughs) a candle was being lit. They were pouring into you. Mm -hmm. You're part of that legacy. Yes. And to use that legacy. Well, yes. And we're going to leave it right there on that note. Very profoundly said, um, great way to end the show. Um, and so once again, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast with me, Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. Um, we've been listening to Dr. Veronica Hardy, uh, my guest for today's show. And again, remember to make sure you check out her two publications, A Letter to My Sisters, uh, Reflecting on God's Promises and uh, Becoming Untangled. And make sure that you all tap into the Social Work Lounge because uh, there's a lot going on there. And just give our listeners a way that they can reach out to you directly, Dr. Hardy, and find more information about your two publications and the Social Work Lounge. Yes. If you want to learn more about A Letter to My Sisters or Becoming Untangled, you can always visit my website, drveronicahardy.com. And then there's also my email address. Um, which is dr.veronicahardy at gmail.com. So either of those ways you can find me or reach out to me. And thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. And that's going to wrap it up for us here. And we've been talking with the dynamic Dr. Veronica Hardy. Take care. And thank you so much, Dr. Hardy. And thank you. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate and host of the show. You've been listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. This and all other programs are available on the Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor podcast platforms. Go to any search engine and type in Kelson on the Air in the search window to hear this show in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Kelson Communications production. I have the book Becoming Untangled, and the release date is March 1st. So right now we are in my book launch countdown celebration. So I look forward to that release date of March 1st, and it will be released on Amazon. But again, people can visit my website, drveronicahardy.com, and click on the Becoming Untangled tab for more information or to even place their order.